Now, over here we see two jahili practices being abolished. Right? What were these two jahili practices? First off, lihar. And secondly off, at-tabanni. Alright? Now when it comes to lihar, this ayah makes it clear that pronouncing lihar is something that is not going to affect the marital status. Right? Because if a man says to his wife, you're like my mother, it doesn't turn her into his mother. Right? And he didn't pronounce the words of divorce, so it wasn't actually divorce. However, pronouncing lihar is a major sin. Which is why in Surah Al-Mujadila, the details of it are revealed. Alright? And we see that a punishment is given to the men who pronounce lihar against their wives. Alright? So the details of this are in Surah Al-Mujadila. The second practice was of tabanni. Alright? Of tabanni. Tabanni is from Ibn, to make someone your son. Now, one thing over here, many Muslims, they think adoption is something not allowed in Islam. You can't adopt a child, you can't raise a child. This is incorrect understanding. What is not allowed is that you give that child your name. Hmm? Meaning, you can raise children in your house, children who are not yours, and you treat them like your family. There is nothing wrong in that. Whether they are relatives or they are not, there is nothing wrong with that. In fact, this is something that's highly encouraged in our religion. What is prohibited, however, is that you must not give them your legal name. Why? What's the big deal? What's in the name? Hmm? Lineage. Remember that in our deen, one of the objectives of the laws that we are given is protection of lineage. Right? So that child, if he grows up knowing that, okay, this is my surname, I belong to this family, but I don't belong, it's... You're neither here nor are you there. You understand? You feel like you belong to the family, but you know that you don't actually belong. Many times it happens that children are raised and they're not even informed. They're not even informed. And what happens? They grew up with a false identity and then when they're told about the reality, it's like a bomb on their heads. Literally it shatters them. And remember that with the name... Also, there come many rights as well as certain responsibilities. So for example, inheritance. Right? And then certain responsibilities also towards the family. So anyway, these two practices are being abolished over here. Ud'uhum. Allah says, call them. Meaning adopt them, keep them, but call them, meaning call these children, li'aba'ihim. By their fathers, meaning by the names of their biological fathers. Huwa, it is, aqsatu, more just, indallah, near Allah. In the sight of Allah, this is more fair. It's more fair to the child, it's more fair to the society, and it's more fair in general because it's a true statement. Otherwise, you're faking it. Right? Fa'illam, then if not, ta'lamu, you know, aba'ahum, their fathers. So the question that you asked, that if the child's biological father is not known, then Allah says, فَإِخْوَانُكُمْ Then still they are your brothers. Meaning then you don't make them your children, that you give them your surname. You treat them like your brothers. deen in the religion. So then you can give them a name like Abdullah. You understand? You can give them a name like Abdullah. 
You could also give them a name such as, you know, many women, for example, their name will be Fatima Bibi. You know, in certain cultures, it's like that. In Pakistani culture, for example, Bibi basically means, what does it mean? Something like madam. Okay, uh, something like that. It's something honorable that you called someone Bibi. So this is why they would, many girls are given such names. Alright? So a name like that can be given. You understand? So in this ayah, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying is, that if you don't know their fathers, even that should not be a reason for you to give them your name. They are like who? They are like your brothers in deen, your sisters in deen. Wa and mawalikum. Mawali is the plural of the word mawla. Who is mawla? Mawla is basically freed slave. Because many times this adoption would happen. How? That somebody would buy a slave or get a slave. And that child is very close to the family. The family has a lot of affection for him. And then eventually that child, you know, he's set free and he's declared the son, the adopted son of that family. Alright? So in that case, because especially if it's a slave, if he was a slave, he probably doesn't even know who his father is, where he's from. You understand? You see, in Arab society, so many people were actually slaves. Alright? And with Islam, what happened? So many slaves were set free. Alright? And once they were set free, who do they identify themselves with? You understand? This is something that's very difficult for people that who do I belong to? Who am I related to? Because many slaves were taken into slavery as children. They were kidnapped and sold into slavery. They didn't even know where they were from. They didn't even know their own names or the names of their parents. How could they know their surname? Alright? So then, how are they known? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says they are your mawali. What does it mean? Meaning, you call them Mawla of so and so. Like for example, when we look at the books of Hadith, we learn about Umair, Mawla of Umm al-Fadl. Umm al-Fadl, one of the companions. Alright. She had a slave who was Umair. She set him free. When he was freed, What's his background? Where is he actually from? Allahu Arla. Maybe he didn't even know. I don't know exactly if he knew or not. However, in the society, he was known as Umair, Mawla, Umm al-Fadl. Likewise, we learn about Kurayb. Kurayb, Mawla, Ibn Abbas. So you see, there is a link over here. Now, Ibn Abbas, sallallahu anhu, was really good to Kurayb. Kurayb, I mean, a hadith are narrated from him. Can you think about the level that he got in that society? Right? So, he was known as Qurayb, Mawla ibn Abbas. We learn about Nafir, Mawla ibn Umar. The freed slave of who? Abdullah ibn Umar, radiallahu anhu. So, again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here that if you set your slaves free, you don't call them your own son. You call them who? Mawla of so and so. Alright? وَلَيْسَ عَلَيْكُمْ And there is not on you. جُنَاحٌ Any sin. Fima Concerning that which أَخْطَأْتُمْ You erred. Bihi Of it. Meaning any mistake that you've made so far, you don't need to worry about it. Whatever has happened, has happened. Don't worry about your past mistakes. Just fix them now. 
and move on. So for example, Zayd radiallahu anhu, he was known as Zayd bin Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. After this, he was known as Zayd bin Haritha. Why? Because the name of his father was known. And if it wasn't known, then, then what would be done? Mawla, the freed slave of who? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Right? Or, if he wasn't a slave and he was just adopted by the Prophet ﷺ, then in that case, any other name would be given. Okay, like for example, Abdullah would be given. Okay, so walaysa alaykum junahun fima Any mistake that's been made so far, no sin on you. Walakin but ma that which taammadat qulubukum, your hearts intend. Taammadat from taammud ain mim dal. What does ta'ammud mean? Deliberate, intentional deed. وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورًا rahima, And Allah is ever forgiving and merciful. So Allah will forgive the past mistakes if you correct your present state. So what does this ayah show to us? The prohibition of giving adopted children your surname. Why? Because it's an injustice, it is a lie. Of the objectives of the sharia is the preservation of lineage. Truth hurts sometimes, but eventually it is the only comfort. Hmm? We learned that the Prophet ﷺ said, He who claimed for another one of his fatherhood beside his own father, knowingly that he was not his father to him, meaning a person says that so-and-so is my father, and he knows that he's not actually his father, he pretends to belong to that family, whereas in reality he doesn't belong to that family, the Prophet ﷺ said, then paradise is forbidden to him. Because a person is living a lie. In another hadith we learn, he who claims anyone else as his father besides his own father or makes one his mawla other than the one who freed him, there is the curse of Allah, that of his angels and that of the whole mankind upon him. So this is a serious matter. Hmm? And what else do we learn over here? If something was done in mistake, then that is forgiven. Because we pray to Allah, رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَخِذْنَا إِن نَسِينَا أَوْ أَخْطَأْنَا But what is deliberate? then that is something that people are held responsible for. Now this surah, Suratul Ahzab, it has a very powerful beginning. Basically the Prophet ﷺ is directly addressed over here. Right? And there's no indirect command. It's all direct. That you must obey Allah and you must not pay heed to what the opponents of the religion criticize you with, what they tell you. You must fear Allah and obey Allah. Because you are His servant and He will question you. Now, you may have heard of, actually you may be very familiar with, uh, various controversial issues about Islam. Hmm? Like for example, can you think of any controversial issue when it comes to the personality or the life of the Prophet ﷺ? Can you think of any? Okay, the fact that he had many wives. Alright. Any other controversial issue about Islam? Yes? Okay. You know, things that people, you know, they throw at you and they try to, you know, make you feel like, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to answer this? Okay, the marriage of the Prophet ﷺ to Aisha radiallahu anha. Okay. Okay, the various battles that were fought in the life of the Prophet ﷺ. Okay. Okay, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ got married to the divorced wife of his stepson, which inshallah we will learn about in this surah. What about hijab? Isn't that such a big issue that's raised about Islam? Right? Hijab. And specifically what about the hijab? The face veil. Right? Likewise, when it comes to Islamic history, 
we also learn about this particular Jewish tribe that lived in Medina and uh, the Prophet ﷺ had their men executed and the women and the children were enslaved, right? I mean, these are all issues that are brought up. And you know what? All of these issues are actually mentioned in this surah. Alright? All of these controversial issues are mentioned where? In this surah. So, this was a very difficult time for the Prophet ﷺ. Think about it, 1400 years later, we feel uncomfortable when people ask us about these matters. Or forget about them asking, even if these things are mentioned somewhere, we feel uncomfortable. The Prophet ﷺ, he was being given the very verses, alright, which contained these matters. And the Prophet ﷺ was not being given any choice over here. You can imagine the fear, the discomfort that we feel. Imagine the fear and the discomfort that the Prophet ﷺ felt. Alright? Imagine the noise that is made today. Just to try to imagine the noise that was made in the life of the Prophet ﷺ by his enemies, both internal as well as external enemies. So right at the beginning, the Prophet ﷺ is reminded of whose servant he really is. And this is something that we need to remember also. That we are first and foremost whose servants? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala servants. Our goal in life is not to please other people. It is not to satisfy others and to show to them that, oh my religion is, you know, very this and very that, and as long as you're happy with me, I don't care. No, our goal is not to serve and worship people. It is to worship who? It is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the thing is that when a person does bring about change in their life according to the commands of Allah, it is difficult. Because first and foremost, you have to fight against who? Your own self. Alright? Now, you see the commands that were revealed in the surah, they directly affected the Prophet ﷺ. You know, the first thing that we learn in the surah is about who? The adopted sons. Right? That you cannot give them your own name. You have to call them by whose name? By the name of their biological fathers. Correct? Now, wasn't this something that affected the Prophet ﷺ personally? It did, right? Because he had declared Zayd radiallahu anhu to be his own son. Just imagine. Now when we learn of a command in the Qur'an, you know, that directly conflicts with something that we have done in our lives, it's so difficult. Isn't it? But imagine, the Prophet ﷺ, this directly affected him. Alright? So he is reminded over here that he must obey Allah and that he must rely upon Allah. So over here, the first command that is mentioned is with regards to who? With regards to adopted children. This does not mean that adoption in Islam is impermissible. You cannot raise somebody else's child. No, it is definitely permissible. It is definitely encouraged. But just one thing. Keep facts as facts. Keep reality as reality. Don't change reality in love for someone. Alright? Because this is injustice in the sight of Allah. That if somebody's name is changed, what is changed? Their identity is being changed. Right? Facts are being changed. And that is unfair. So, for example, over here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in ayah number 5, that, أُدْعُوهُمْ لِآبَائِهِمْ هُوَ أَقْصَطُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ Call them by the names of their fathers, because this is more just in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is more aqsat. It is closer to qist. It is closer to justice. Because calling a person by their father's name is what? Maintaining their identity, right? That is who they are. 
and changing their name to somebody else's that is changing their identity right think about it who are you you are your father's your mother's child isn't that and this is a link that can never be abolished that can never be changed isn't it so i mean a person gets married to somebody the marriage can that end it can end but your relationship with your parents can that ever be ended no it can never be ended right i mean your body is a proof of that how that you share the same features isn't it why is it that sometimes when you go to the doctors for some serious checkup or something they ask you about your family history isn't it why do they ask you about your family history because it matters doesn't it so your lineage is your identity and changing that changing that is what it is changing facts and changing facts this is injustice in the sight of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right so over here it's made clear ud'uhum li abaihim okay good question that if a child is adopted and they grow up with you in your family do you still have to maintain hijab yes because there's no blood relationship over there right just one thing remember that if it's a child a baby then of course the child can be nursed all right from someone in the family so that ties through rada'a through suckling are established all right and alhamdulillah in this day and age it's really not difficult to do that right i know of so many moms subhanallah you know they have adopted babies literally i remember a long time ago when the earthquake happened in kashmir many many about 10 years ago there was this uh, friend of ours in alhuda institute who was expecting she had a baby and then because she was still lactating she adopted a child from kashmir from pakistan and alhamdulillah she nursed the child and she had two little children to raise at the same time so you know this is really beautiful because that child was an orphan that baby was an orphan right so such ties can be established of course but remember that when it comes to lineage when it comes to your own children they have a share in inheritance right but an adopted child does not have share in the inheritance however what can be done in our religion remember surah an-nisa there's two things right when it comes to inheritance one is fixed shares fixed shares of who of the heirs that have been appointed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then a person has been given a choice that up to a third of your property you can give it to somebody as wasiyah right so that can be done all right okay now when it comes to changing the name what about taking the husband's name after marriage hmm taking the husband's name after marriage what about that huh okay see scholars they have said that how can a woman take the husband's surname as if she is part of the same lineage right she's not part of the same lineage all right moreover they say that she may get divorced or her husband may die and she may marry another man how many times is she going to change her identity will she keep changing her surname every time she marries another man or something like that happens hmm? and they said that the husband is named after his own father and what does she have to do with the lineage of her husband's father they also said that the husband has nothing that makes him better than his wife so that she should take his surname while he takes his father's name You understand? Why not the other way around? There was this article published in the BBC magazine in November 2014 and a woman she had written the article and she said that 
if I were to take my husband's name upon marriage, it would make me first and foremost a wife. While my husband would remain himself. Right? Introducing myself as my name and then my husband's name would mean that saying I do had fundamentally changed the answer to the question, who am I? Alright? And basically this is an English phenomenon, alright? British uh, particularly. And this is a very, you know, ancient tradition which is based upon the legal principle that upon marriage, that basically a woman has no identity before marriage. Alright? And after marriage, she becomes her husband's possession. Alright? And her state of namelessness reflected this. And in the words of one court in the year 1340, when a woman took a husband, she lost every surname except wife off. Alright? So, you see, this is something that doesn't have any basis in our religion. And secondly, if you look at it historically speaking, this is something that goes against Islamic teachings also. I mean, it's fine, but why not miss your last name? Right? Because if you think about it, all your life as a student, as a, as somebody who's had a professional career, you had a particular surname. Alright? And then upon marriage, all of a sudden, you become somebody else. So then do they call you Miss Ahmad, or that's your father's name, or Miss somebody else, that's your husband's surname? You understand what I mean? It's like losing yourself. This is what feminists say. I'm not saying that we should be feminists over here or, you know, Islam and feminism, yay, they're together. Just look at things as they actually are. Alright? We shouldn't imitate others. Alright? And it also shows to us that a woman is, you know, because we have this feeling or this understanding in our culture that you're incomplete if you're not married. You know, when you are Mrs. Somebody, then you are somebody. And if you're not a Mrs. Somebody, then it's as if you have no value. No. You are valuable as an individual. You know, Islam recognizes you as an individual. You have your rights, your responsibilities as an individual. Right? Now the question is that if somebody has done this in the past, now what should be done? What should be done? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Ud'uhum. You see, in the past, the Prophet ﷺ declared Zayd anhu to be Zayd bin Muhammad. Alright? What happened after the revelation of this ayah? Was it still Zayd bin Muhammad because that's how he had always been called? No. What was it then? Zayd bin Haritha. Correct? So a person has to correct this, inshaAllah. So, أُدْعُوهُمْ لِآبَائِهِمْ هُوَ أَقْسَطُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ And then in the case where the biological father is not known, then what should be done? What should be done then? Give what kind of a surname? Any other generic, general surname? Alright? Like Abdullah, Muhammad. You know, the name Muhammad is so common within Muslims, isn't it? Isn't it? It's like so many Muslim men, their name is incomplete without... Muhammad. Alright? So a name like that could also be given. So a generic common name. Okay? And you see this is also in Western culture that a person is given not just one name but two names. Like for example, I don't know if you ever watched Magic School Bus but Dorothy Ann. Alright? It's Dorothy Ann. So why is the Ann there? It's like an extra added name. Right? So something like that can be done. Inshallah. But facts should not be changed. Yes. Uh, so here, it's not the first name, but the last 
Okay. It's the same. So the question is, if the name of the father is not given, meaning the parent who has adopted, so the man, let's say his name is Ahmed. Okay, his name is Ahmed Abdullah, for example. Alright, he adopts a boy. So he gives him the name, let's say, Umar. So instead of naming him Umar Ahmed, he names him Umar Abdullah. Is that okay? No, because Abdullah is his surname. Alright? What if they have a family name? Even that name should not be given. Why? Because it's mixing up the facts. You understand? So, you see what this shows me, what I understand from this is that every child has the right to know who their biological parents are. That is justice near Allah. You see how often do we hear that a certain child, they were given up for adoption. And then what happened? As it grew older, they wanted to know who their biological parents are. So they went back to their home country to find out who their biological parents are. But the agency is not allowed to even give them the name of their biological parents. Right? And that is to protect the biological parents. And that's understandable. However, isn't that unfair to the child? Isn't it? I watched this documentary about these two twin sisters actually who were adopted in different parts of the world. What's the name? Exactly. They found each other through social media. Okay? They didn't even know that they had a twin. They had no idea. All right? They found each other through social media and what happened eventually they met. They got a DNA test done and they found out that they were actually twins. But the agency through which they were adopted that never showed that they had a twin. Alright? And these two girls, they went back to the country where they were adopted from and they wanted to get in touch with their mother, but the mother, no, the agency was not allowed. And so one of the twins was cool with it. It didn't really bother her, it seemed. But the other one, it seemed to have affected her personality, her upbringing so much. It was like a deep pain in her. This is injustice. Exactly. It's like, you don't know who you really are until you know where you are from. This is just part of human nature because we are from each other. So we need to have a complete sense of identity. We have to know who we belong to. We need to have a sense of belonging. Assalamu alaikum. I was just thinking, let's say if the parents don't tell that, you know, you were adopted and you're our child and they later on find out. It's hurtful to the parents who lied because once the kid finds out, then they obviously feel bad. They're like, I'm not from you guys. I'm not a part of your family. And then sometimes it could lead to them hurting the parents who actually raised them as a child, right? So it's and nothing, anything that starts from a lie doesn't really end well. So exactly. it's hurtful for the parent and for the kid. Exactly. So the rule is simple. Ud'uhum li'aba'ihim aqsatu. That is the most fair in the sight of Allah. Keep facts as facts. Recitation. <laughs> وَلَيْسَ عَلَيْكُمْ جُنَاحٌ فِيمَا أَخْطَأْتُمْ بِهِ وَلَكِنْ مَا تَعَمَّدَتْ قُلُوبُكُمْ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورًا رَّحِيمًا